Hello, Stephen Seifert. Hi, Dan Landrum. How are you today, man? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm happy to be talking to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know. I, I think people maybe think we were divorced or something. We got in a fight? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's been busy. My mom, busy. my mom opened up the new Dulcimer Players News magazine, and she saw that Dulcimer School ad with Aaron on it, you know? Yeah. And she said, why isn't your picture here? And I said, well, <laughs> why isn't Dan's picture there? Why don't you ask him? Why isn't her picture there? I know. Why didn't you <laughs> like, put pictures of your grandson there? And, or granddaughter <laughs> now, too. Who knows? We're, I think even if you and I split up, we'll still get along pretty well. Yeah. Is this, are we, are we having like pre-divorce talk now? We're not married. We never actually got married, <laughs> you know? No, we never actually did. And we, or anything. We've only lived together a few times, and that was it's for not, very <coughs> short stints. You, you know? were in a room in my house. Right. That was great. That's, with, that's with not the same as living together. Well, there was a hammer dulcimer from China in there. Oh, that's right. I miss that house a little bit. I miss that house a lot. You know, that house was fancier than you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't mean that in a true. bad way. That house was cool. Yeah, it was a lot of house though. That that thing was too many square too feet. Too much yeah. house. I think you're happier being uh, more efficient. Oh my goodness, Steve! Uh, look, can we talk about efficiency and organization? Not not just from neither you nor I. <laughs> Did I say that properly? Are you having when a? Com- um, you're you seem to be having a crisis. No, kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. It, no. Yeah, things have been going well. I feel productive every day. Uh, I've had, if, if there's been a crisis in my life, not that anybody cares about this, it's just that for the first time at 56, I'm having an allergy problem that is knocking me out. My cheekbones hurt, eyes hurt, jaws hurt, headache every day for a month and just can't seem to get rid of it. Dude, but. I had a headache every day for two months. Oh no. And I'm pretty sure it was all muscle related. If I took ibuprofen three times a day, it was pretty much okay. Um, but there were days where I didn't. If I had alcohol, my... I mean, I'm talking serious neck trouble, serious right yeah. side of the head. Uh, if I took alcohol, I would be fine for like 30 minutes, and then this horrendous headache would come on. So the alcohol didn't help. <laughs> I didn't go Did to the stop? doctor. Well, listen what helped. Now, maybe the ibuprofen helped, but I actually did an hour of yoga in my office um, last week. The next morning, and I just had this idea, like, maybe I need to stretch, you know, get in balance or something. Because um, yeah. I haven't stretched for decades. And then, the next, that night, I had terrible wrist pain. The next day, I had a terrible, strange, new tension headache. Uh but here's the thing about that headache. It wasn't on the right side of the neck, right side of the head. It was equal, both sides. And I have pretty much been good since then. Now, I have no reason to think the yoga did it, but I have no reason to think it didn't either right now. So I don't know. The ibuprofen probably helped more than anything. But what was interesting was how this headache I'd had a neck ache for two months was on the right side and then it seemed after yoga that it was centered so i got centered dude 
<laughs> I don't think that's what that means. I think that's what people are talking about. I kept thinking, I need to get okay. centered. Well, good for you. You're center. You're you've got it. Had you ever think wow. about Walmart center? Walmart center. The super center. If you go there, you get centered? super centered. You get super centered. Super centered. That's, That's even right. better. So, what about what you and your that? headache? Nobody wants to hear about this, but I do. Well, I don't want to spend as much time as you did telling about it. It's just a headache, and everyone think about what your headaches feel like. Mine felt something like that, but probably a little bit different because I'm me. Uh, it's just I know it's related to uh, some sort of infection and sinus infection. And it, I've just never gotten allergies, so I didn't go to the doctor. And, wow, I just waited too long. Apparently, it just packed somehow up in there. And it, you ever had it hurt your cheekbones and your teeth? Yeah. that's, <laughs> that's That could be a sinus fun. infection or something. You know David Schnaufer, my favorite dulcimer player, he uh, said when he was a kid they went to some doctor who had like a pump with a crank on it and they'd run this this hose up your nose <laughs> and he said it would just suck all that stuff out of your head and it would all end up in a jar that you could look at can we talk about something else okay so Ugh, what about your just disgusting so your headaches better now it's a little better it's still it's still naggingly there but you not, look headachey yeah i'm better than i was though i just yesterday i it was feeling better i finally you know, I post generally post a lot of photos on photograph uh, photos on Facebook of I don't even remember what Facebook is uh, with my grandkids, and I just haven't been outside to do anything with them. Yesterday was the first time I put some photos back up, and I did uh, had a one hour playtime scheduled with my granddaughter this morning after Bear got dropped off at school, and we went out and touched trees and un- turned over rocks and held That's roly fun. polies and tried to get ants to crawl on our fingers and. You know, we're so close out. to talking about the weather. I just want to make sure we don't. Let's not no, talk I'm not going to do that. Weather, but you know, it's been beautiful <clears> outside. I'd sort of like to move us into areas of productivity. You've got this thing about productivity. Well, you and I have always had this thing about productivity because we're so bad at it. <laughs> and I think we're focused on it because we both want to be better at it. And I'll, uh, I've been doing some things right for quite a time now. And I'm, We've had this discussion privately. I don't know if we do this, if we've done this publicly before, but I'm not superstitious really in any way. But when it comes to winning streaks, I don't like to talk about them, you know? You're superstitious in some way. It seems superstitious, doesn't (laughs) it? It really seems like it. No, you're just thinking that if you allow, if you reward yourself that you're afraid you might take a week off and then boom, you're in a, you're in a pile of trouble. Yeah. Like maybe part of the problem is is reward seeking and by just continuing to get the reward from the satisfaction of a job well done rather than going to my buddy Steve and go, Hey Steve, let me tell you what I've been doing. Uh, not seeking the reward that way. So on it, you know what? That's actually one of the reasons probably you and I haven't talked much because often you and I talk about those sorts of things. Like how do we get it all done? Right. Right, but so why haven't we talked? What are you saying? I think the if we could go back and look at each one of those conversations, we'd find that many times we got a lot of things done up until the time that we talked about how much we're getting done. <laughs> and then it stopped. I go in waves, and I got to say that um, as I get older and I look back at each attempt to organize and to get caught up and to 
to get the, the big picture perspective of my career and the house and family and all that. Um, you know, on one hand, I could say it's just a, a long string of failures. <laughs> but really, the truth is, if it wasn't for these bursts of organization and trying to get the right clarity on what's happening, um, I don't know that I would have gotten much done at all. I mean, I'm kind of thankful for the occasional burst. And I'll tell you, they're coming faster than they used to. So rather than three years go by before I get my act together, um, it seems like a few weeks go by. And if things are messy, I'm feeling, you know, like I got to pull this, this ship together. Well, let's, let's talk about, you know, the stuff that we know and that we've heard that is the right way of doing things. For instance, answering your email at a certain time of the day on a consistent basis and then not looking at it again. Okay. Well, I have a big uh, response to that, but what, what have you been doing on email? Well, I'm a cup. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm a couple of months into this now where I've done it every day, every single day, generally before seven o'clock. doesn't matter. It's just when I get up. Uh, and I have this checklist. I've been using OmniFocus very consistently, and it's helping me out a lot. OmniFocus and, is a system for keeping track of your to-do items and projects. Only Mac-based, though. Well, it's on iOS as well. I know people use it on, uh, like, we'll have iPhones who don't even have a Mac and still use it. Cause it's, Let's it's call maybe it your to-do system just for, just for the next 10 minutes. Okay, so at the top of my day... I have these things that I have to do. One is to take my medicine, and I, I want to get that checked off. Everybody one, wants you to do that. One is to clear my my mail, my personal mail, which has business in it. That means all the stuff that comes in from Google and Apple and all that stuff. Another one is to clear my Signal Mountain town business-related mail account, which is a completely different one. Because you're like and, the prince of Signal Mountain. <laughs> no. Another one is to clear to go to Dulcimer school and clear the comments and support tickets. Right. And answer what about those voicemail every day? Uh, you know, I don't really get any voicemail. That's anymore. what we think because we don't check it. <laughs> <laughs> you could be right about I think, that. I think I'm right, but you do I have don't your have... wife helping with that. Oh, you're talking about the business phone. No, Angie takes care of all that. I don't answer phones here at the house. Haven't answered a phone and can't remember if it's my daughter. I'll generally pick up the phone and give it to my wife. What I did recently, which is huge, is uh, I got somebody to help me, um, and we made a decision to declare email bankruptcy. So what we did was, first of all, I went through my inbox and I cleaned out the most obvious big stuff, you know, like the 200 emails from Apple or whatever, you know, right? the 300 emails from Facebook, uh, the 500 emails from a vacation giveaway. So I got rid of the obvious stuff. I also searched for important phrases like, uh, where's my order? <laughs> or, which I only, I, I think I only had two of those. That's a blessing. And then I had, um, I had stuff like, um, I searched for lessons or dulcimer lessons or um, can you help me? You know, I just, I sat there for about two hours because we're talking about a lot of email. I've, I got really behind, Dan. Uh, you know, I went through this stuff. Uh, I went through a divorce. I went through my dad dying. It's just crazy. And I really had, I mean, I, t I take care of really pretty loud emails, uh, you know, as I go through the week. But I had, I had really ended up with a pile of, 
a few thousand emails, which sounds crazy. And that, uh, so what I did was I spent a couple hours just trying to make sure I wasn't missing something. And I did that a number of different ways with different searches. I looked online for good phrases to look for, you know, for salesmen and stuff. Just, but then we took everything, um, we answered the important stuff and the really, the really pertinent things. And we moved everything to the archive and, um, she helped me over the period of a month kind of get back on the horse. And of course I'm not where I'd, I'd like to be with it. I don't know that you can ever get there, but right now I have a fairly empty inbox. I know there's that's under great. 50 messages in there and, um, Ooh, and I've got another folder of, of stuff I got to answer today. So, so I, I feel better than ever on that, you know? Yeah. I want to, step back a, a couple of minutes and, and say, I'm sorry about the divorce you went through. And Thank you. Obviously sorry about, about your dad and all that. However, <laughs> that's not a reason. That's not what derails. No, but it is what me. derailed. I don't know, Steve. Well, you can blame it on five, 10 different things and I'll accept it on all of those. Counts. I'm going to blame it on lack of a routine. Right. And, and, and I've never having, been good at it. Right. It's that's all I'm saying. Is and I'm not faulting you for that. But But I'll tell but you just it to, just made it worse, is you know, the deal. Sure. Well, when you don't have a good routine, anything can make it worse. Something that makes you happy and excited can make it worse. You get a new toy can make it worse. Yeah. Uh it's it's about the routine. The routine is important, but I'm tired of beating myself up about the routine too. So I'm trying to make progress on it without walking around with all this guilt all the time like i'm I'm just trying to have a fresh positive new outlook on it all i'm not convinced the guilt isn't a good thing though mm. just not well i don't want your guilt keep it <laughs> i'm not trying to pass it off on you but it's just interesting to see that it's it's been working and some of the stuff that you and i know to be important things to do on a daily basis like another thing that's on my morning list is to Look look at the calendar for today and tomorrow and the rest of the week and the month. Think about it that way. Today, tomorrow, right. the rest of the week and the month. And just sort of make a middle note of what's coming up. Because every now and then I'd get surprised by something that shouldn't have surprised me that my wife knew because I, it's on my calendar. And she was yeah, you shouldn't hear a knock day. at the door and then realize <laughs> when looking out the peephole that a student has arrived for a lesson. And you're <laughs> exactly. like, I've never seen this person before. Right. You know? Yeah. So if you just have the that routine of doing happen. that stuff. But another thing, you and I are both students of, meaning we read a book uh, by David Allen of his GTD philosophy, getting things done, which you know has some very specific things that you do. One of which talks about uh, anything that can be done in two minutes or less, you do it right now. Once you get that email caught up, you really find that you can do most of the stuff in two minutes or less. And And if you can't, you probably need help. That's what I've been thinking lately. Yeah. It's a matter of making big decisions that you know you're going to make, but just making them. So that lack of a consistency might have been fueled by a fear of making these big decisions over and over and over well, again, sure. just wanting everything to be okay. So getting but, down to it. So I remember you went through this time when you were getting it together and you would growl like I'm a lion. 
And every now and then I've opened up the email and I'm like, give me something hard. Just give me something that's hard to do because I want to do that right yeah, now. Yeah, I've been thinking and that's that lately. helping. Yeah, you know what's helped me lately? It's the uh, George Costanza thing from Seinfeld. There's what's that? that episode where um, I don't, I forget how he came up on this idea, but he started doing the opposite of what he would normally do, and he started making money, and he got promoted, and all this cool stuff's happening in his life, and he met a I girl, and all this stuff. Well, um. Like when the, instead of going in and being nice to the boss, go in and just be a jerk. Yeah, and the boss loved it, you know. Right. So lately, <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. Thinking, um, well, for me, it's been good lately in, as, as far as uh, what is the thing I, and this is, is a little different, but what is the thing I very much don't want to do today? And I'm going to do that right now, you know. Oh, and that's when I get done with that, I think that's awesome. And then I got a little momentum and I think, what's the next thing you absolutely do not want to do next? You know, and then I, it seems like you do one or two of those and you can be rolling all day. It's and they on the internet. They call it eat the frog, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the first thing in the morning, eat, eat the frog. I forget why they yeah. even call it that. But. Well, I heard that, that, uh, I, the first time I heard that term was from, was from Bruce Ford, as a matter of fact, who's. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and it's interesting. It's funny. I was thinking about the same thing you were just about to talk about, the swallow the frog thing. And then the, the other part of that is it, I remember Bruce Ford saying that because I know he does that, okay? Tackles these things he doesn't want to do. He's self-employed as well. And I have respect for him for that. And yeah, I remember thinking, even though swallow the frog sounds hard for me, I have respect for him and I want that respect for me, if that makes sense. And so I've associated that with him. And every time I think about that, it's there. Another one, which this is just a simple concept of doing your email every morning. Jess uh, Dickinson and I were driving back from a festival year and a half ago or so. And I was telling him, man, I have, I just have a hard time keeping up with my email. And he said, I do it every morning. said, I get up 530. I do my email. That's the first thing. And he said, you've got to get that under control. You do. And and he was right. And everything's better. And it's just so much easier. On the practical side, I told you this a couple of months back. I was in the process of, I had, maybe I didn't need to do this. But I have wanted for a long time to move out of using Gmail's online Gmail system. Yeah. To using Apple's mail system. And I've been using that a little bit this last couple of weeks. Kind of, and the main reason for that was wanting to have just a little more integration. With and you the other Windows stuff that people, that would be like you doing everything through Outlook instead. Through of Outlook, I miss. I still miss whatever. Outlook. Outlook is fantastic, and I still well, miss if you it. like making folders till your teeth fall out, mm, I do. <laughs> I like it. It, hey, it listen, works. Yeah, listen. but wait, I want to finish on this mail. You're thing. taxonomizing your life right here in front of. So uh, I started making. You're losing your mind. These filters you're in Apple it, Mail. Right? Now. I'm not losing it. And so, but some of the filters made me realize things that I want to catch. For instance, if I've spent any money on something that's going to be a recurring expense. Oh, I know. We got to know about that stuff. I made a filter for that. That's good. So that those things pop up in their own filter. And, yeah, that's and good. then I started getting rid of some of those things. So and that all of a stuff sudden needs I'm, to be on a spreadsheet, man. Right. So all of a sudden I'm spending less money because I'm catching this stuff. Yeah, that's and good. on a daily basis, Almost everything that comes into my inbox is now being captured and filtered. And I'm not worried about it going into a junk filter because I'm grabbing it before that. 
Uh, so anyway, purchases and those kinds of things are, are working out. I just highly recommend doing that. Well, the, this is the state I want to avoid as a musician. You know, we talked about, I forget when we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it. Well, I want to get around to the musical side of this because well, that's next. Well, hang on, you're interrupting me. So, so Dan, you're getting into, you're getting, you, when you and I talk about organizing, if we're not careful, it's like we just go through the whole outline of what each one of us is doing to organize. And I don't know, sometimes it's, it's, in a, it's a way, you know this, for us to avoid actually doing something. But I think That's right not now, what's happening here. I don't think so. But still, I have to be on guard. I can't just let you run on and on about what That's we're doing fine. to organize. My point of my point in mentioning Bruce Ford and in mentioning Jess Dickerson is that it was Dickerson, more than Dickinson. I can't Dickinson, see. Dickinson. Right. It was it was more than just talking about methods. It was talking about people I respect doing something right. respectful and wanting to do that. I want to be encouraging to other musicians because I don't think we're probably naturally the best at this if because we tend to want to feed that creative side. Well, so, yeah, and I, I don't feed the creative side because I get behind and stressed out and I'm feeling guilty. And then I turn to some other hobby that's totally unrelated. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my problem. That's, that's been a problem, yeah. That's not really one that I, that I relate to much. Photography? No, yeah, but not in the mornings, though. Late so magazine? I'll, great photos we'll, on Facebook? You know? we'll, we'll get to that. But part of my morning routine has consistently been to not allow myself to turn on the computer. Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's... It's to, just, just to go to over to the little that. closet I showed you a photo of earlier. Or it just you makes on, me on feel Skype, good to hear you say that. Which is where my instrument sits, and mics are on it, and I have good lighting in there, and I practice just about every morning. Yeah, I've been playing in the morning, too, more. That's that's such an important thing. I don't and even then, want to pick up the phone. I, I'm even thinking right. of ordering an alarm clock because I'm tired of using the phone to get me up. I don't want my phone getting me up. Right. I want to, I want to say something, though, that I think is an important thing maybe for musicians. These iPads and uh, whatever the Android devices are or the Amazon Kindle and those kinds of things, if you can record what you do with those kinds of things, maybe this doesn't apply to anybody but me, if I turn on the computer, there are 3,000 ways I can get distracted. Right. And directions I can go in that. Those little iOS devices and handheld things that do one function, you know, you have one app that's on right. top at one time, helps with focus. It can funnel you a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and so I found that that's funnel, funneling is the great word. So that's helped a lot as well. Just saying, no, I'm going to record on this, even if it means I have to copy it back into something else later. And that's where not trying to get the most highly optimized system of like, I'm going to record this, and then immediately I'm going to have a macro that's going to take it, and it's going to move it over to the hard drive and make a backup copy for it and convert it to you know blah, blah, blah. See, not everybody's got this thing that we're talking about. The, the way that you and I do both get into the technology and the software. Like, I think we both get excited if there's like a new spreadsheet that everybody's talking about. But, um, of course, not everybody listening is into that. But for us, I mean, I have it to thank. I, I'm thankful that I've gotten excited about websites and teaching online and shooting and editing video. That's all been great. But on the other hand, 
I do like to hear the idea of funneling my attention. So, and and I'm just about done with this rant. Are and you I hope ranting? It's useful See, I think you've been ranting, and I've been interrupting you. The I know you think that's the case, but you maybe look interrupted. <laughs> I haven't looked at you in so long. You you know. I'm I'm really close to the camera right now, so all the flaws are are showing. Well, I think uh, you mentioned the taxonomization. I found that there are some things that really do work best that way. So in keeping my email current, most of it has to do with Dulcimer Players News Magazine. It means having a folder set up for the next two or three magazines always. And within that folder, having a folder for articles. And within that articles folder, having a folder with Steve Seifert's name on it that says he's going to do an article on this, even if there's nothing in the folder. You should do as much of that as you need to and no more. Yeah, but rather than... Here's a key, feeling like you need to make a to-do list somewhere that says, I was over-listing. I was over-omni-focusing. Yeah. Try to put, like, you need to check back with Steve in three weeks. Or, you know, or Steve's going to do an article on this. So I'd have to go to a list to find something else out. But just the natural place for it, it's going to end up in those folders when it gets organized anyway, is just to have a thing that says, look at, where you are on the summer issue of Dulcimer Players News today. Review that. Yeah, but the point is to have some something's going to grab your attention at, at the right time. Right. So I want to have the thing to check off a list that says do the review. And that's the final part for me of making this organizational thing work, work is doing the review Especially if you're intimately familiar with all the, <clears throat> the things that go into that. Right. So the last thing on my morning checklist is my review. And I have, and that's one of the cool things about OmniFocus. I'm sure Outlook does it too. I have some things that I feel like need to be reviewed weekly, some things monthly, some things quarterly, some things daily. So I'm headed off to the uh, Lone Star Dulcimer Festival. Are you going there this weekend? No, I was going to, but I'm no okay. longer. Uh, so basically. That's- I was teaching a class there. We had about three people signed up, and I ah. I sent them their money back, and I said, I'll, I'm going to try again next year. All right. So in, anyway, that's... And I was not hired for the event. Do we have to hold, get this personal? Am I no, still no. interrupting your rant? This yes. is the most purposed rant <laughs> I have ever seen you try to push through my limited attention span. I want to get to the end of this. What is the beginning of this? That festival is this weekend. And so I'm down to some final, I need to be marketing it. I need to be thinking about what songs I want to have for the jams. So every day, just review that festival comes up. And then somewhere I have a list of things that I'd like to accomplish or have accomplished. Like there's a story that I want to cover when I'm down there. Just taking a chance, a second to look down that can remind me, oh, I could actually get that done today. As opposed to the mistake that I think you and I were both making for a while, which is trying to put a deadline and a time on everything so that you would look at the day and there would be 27 things due that could not possibly be done. I'm getting more things done just by using a review process than by scheduling everything with hard deadlines because those hard deadlines feel like they take away my freedom to be creative so that if I've worked enough and my eyes are sore and I want to go out and take photos, I need to do that. So it's funny. I feel like I'm being more creative perhaps than ever by being more scheduled. And that's, I guess, the end of the rant. I think you just summarized it, and I I was having a hard time 
putting all that together. Let's do the summary again. You are, you're focusing more on the review than you did in the past. Yes. Reviewing this, reviewing the projects, reviewing the things that need to be done. Um, it's too and easy to put things on a to-do list and never really go through it, check stuff off. and That's right. And deleting things from a list. And then also you're scheduling things more. What do you, what, what's that? No, the things that are scheduled the most are the reviews. Okay. And then the daily checklists that need to get done. Okay, that's an interesting new idea. Yeah. Um, if. Boy, I'm. I'm all of a sudden discouraged just hearing all that. <laughs> but I've been I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't think it's you. Um, it feels like insanity when we start to talk about this stuff. Huh. Now it doesn't mean it is, and it doesn't mean you are. But I start to feel a little crazy. But um, we are attempting <coughs> to take this part of us <laughs> who has a hard time. Focusing on the right things at the right time with the right amount of attention. We're trying to make progress with that, to grow in that. Um, I've found that when I'm the busiest, I get the most done. <laughs> that you know, There's a correlation causation conundrum there, I think. But I think you know that I... I'm on the council. I, I ran for office <coughs> one, which is unbelievable. But now that's this extra thing that's taken up time. And those things are public. I mean, they're out there and people see what's coming up. So we're get this, Steve. <laughs> Never thought you'd hear this from me. We're doing budgets right now. We're doing the town's budget. We have a $1 million shortfall. So we have to fix that. I think my my town does too. Yeah, a lot of it in Tennessee I think it's planned. Has, you should always have a million dollar shortfall. Uh, no, it's a way to manipulate. If you want to know any Tennessee folks that are listening, the yeah. reason your town is hurting for money right now is because uh, our state legislators revoked the hall tax, which is a tax that only people who had enough money to make investment income paid. So they revoked this. It's being revoked over the course of five years. For some towns, it doesn't make that big of a difference because they have all these other ways of making money. For towns like Signal Mountain, it was 17% of our budget Hmm. being taken away uh, from that tax money that came in. Bo Watson, your state senator, was uh, the mind behind it. And I got a chance with some other people to ask Bo directly, what did you think the cities were going to do? And they said our intention was for them to raise sales tax and raise property tax. That's how we thought they would make this up. But you get in a place like Nashville, it doesn't hit you guys as hard because you guys could raise your sales tax, you know, a half a cent and make a lot of money. Signal Mountain, we don't have anything. We're a bedroom community mostly. We have property tax. So it's going to mean a property tax hike up here and people are going to be angry about it. On one hand, I'm proud of you and I'm thankful for good caring, intelligent people who are willing to get out there and cooperate with people and get the work done. And on the other hand, I'm thinking, why didn't I stuff the ballot box against you when you ran (laughs) and I could get a little more time with you? Yeah. I think you probably can get more time than ever now if there's actually stuff we're doing because I'm not wasting time. 
Do you think the fact that we're doing a podcast, do you feel like how much the fact that we're doing a podcast right now, how much is that influencing the way you're thinking and speaking? Or I feel like uh, in some ways I've gotten, I've gotten used to just, I don't know. It's, that's an interesting question. What do you, what's your hypothesis? There's some little part of me that knows I'm doing a podcast, but more and more that I just feel like we're having a conversation. Well, that's probably, that's the good thing maybe. And also the dangerous thing about me and you doing a podcast. Cause I don't talk about this stuff for the most part. That's how we started this to begin with. So, uh, for instance, I'd love to have a conversation with you right now about a minor chord flat five. Minor seven flat five? A minor seven flat five. Or just a minor chord flat five, a diminished. Yeah, yeah. Or half diminished. Well, no, a fully diminished, yeah. Well, a, a, a minor chord with a flat five is simply a diminished triad. Right, but a minor seven with a flat five is half diminished, right? A minor seven with a flat five is half diminished. If you take the seven and go a further half step, it's fully diminished. That's right. Guess but what? But really, you know. Wait, listen, listen. I found a place you can make in several keys minor seven flat fives on the hammer dulcimer. Okay, well, then we got to talk about that real quick. Awesome. Listen, listen. And guess what it power. is? Hmm. Guess what it is? Hmm. It's, the, it's a substitution. It's almost the dominant seven for the key. It's almost already that, but it's this chord that's a half step below the key that you're in, and it makes this cool leading chord, you know, to lead you back up to the to the main chord, you know, to the, to right, the well, chord of the key you're in. Are you and, ready for this? Wait, wait, I'm almost done. And <laughs> you can substitute it, either that or that the chord that's a half step above it. You can either use the chord a half step above as a minor seven or a half step below as a minor seven flat five as substitutions for five chords. And it works. Wait, you, you, it works. It's wait, amazing. Stop. We, we got, wait, I don't know that what, what you just said is even true. It might not be. That's why I want to talk to you about it. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning. And I hate it when people talk about music theory, so I'll keep that in mind as I talk about this. All right, listen to this. And I'm talking to you about me and what's mattered to me in my playing, not what's going to matter to the listener. <laughs> uh, but hopefully it'll be the same. Um, here's where the minor 7 flat 5 first really got into me and my music. If you look at the regular major scale, like C major, and you build triads off everything, you get a bunch of major minor chords, except over the seventh scale step. So in the key of C major, over your B, you if you build a triad over that, you get a diminished chord. That's right. That's right. So naturally in the key of C, you got all these major minor chords, and then boom, all of a sudden, you've got this but weird you stack, chord. You stack you one more chord. on there. Stack Wait, one oh, more oh, on oh, there. You're going too far. Okay. Now that diminished chord... In the key of C major, that B diminished, B, D, F. You can call that B, D, F the root, the third, and the fifth. But that typically functions 
and the key of C as an A7 chord. Nope, it's a G7 chord. You're right. G7. I, I knew that. G7. So the B, D, F is the three, the five, and the seven of that fifth chord. So for the most part, that, that triad, usually that's what it's doing for me on a three-string instrument. If I play that B diminished in the key of C, I'm here in a, the, the fifth chord of the key of C, the G chord. Now in the key of D, dulcimer, mountain dulcimer people, um, let me tell you what those three diminished chords are. Get your dulcimer out. Try them out. You got a one, two, three. That's your C sharp diminished in the key of D major. You've got one, two, three. You've got three, four, six and a half. And you also have six and a half, six, eight. Those are your three diminished triads. But whenever I use them, usually it just sounds like I'm playing the fifth chord in the key of D, an A7 chord. All right, so... That's can something I, you gotta live with for a while. I can think. I bring hammer dulcimer players up to this point? Yeah, just I, they, just on the triad. Just on the triad. Okay. So basically, what Steve's talking about: if you were in the key of C and you wanted to play the dominant seven chord, you would play G B D F natural. He's talking about basically leaving the G out of it and just playing the triad, which is the B, the D, and the F natural. And it's, think about it as if you're just going right up the bass bridge and you're going to play a dominant seven chord, but instead you're doing it this way. That's the triad, and you can find those easily. They always start on the black mark, just below a white mark. So that's one. But I want to toss one more note in there, Steve. The no, not yet. Point. Well, it's, on the hammer dulcimer, it's just part of this shape. What is it? It's, think about, maybe this will apply to you also, if you're in the key of C, the sixth note in that scale C, D, E, F, G, A is the sixth note. You want to stack that A up on top. And so it's you're making a, a, a triangle, basically, by doing that triad that Steve talked about and then coming... Wait, direct. what chord is this? This is to do the F sharp uh, 7 diminished. And the key of G? You're in the key of C. You're in the key of C. So you're using this as a substitution chord with that F sharp being the root, D being, I'm sorry, not F sharp. I went to D. I'm sorry, Steve. So the B is in the root. The D. So what key are we in? We're in the key of C. What chord are we on? We're on an F sharp, excuse me, (laughs) a B, uh, B minor seven diminished. All right. We're in the key of C major. C major. That's right. You're in a B Diminished, not a B minor diminished, a B diminished chord. Right, B diminished chord. All right, good. Four notes in it that are easy to play on the hammer dulcimer, and they're a great substitute for the five. The B, the D, the F, and then the A on top. Now, why the A? Because it's the next note in the stack. Right. Nah, B, D, yeah, but it would be the nine of the five chord. It's the nine of the five, yeah. It's the nine of the root, actually. No, no, it's the six of the root or the nine of the five chord. That's right. But it, but it plays out in this nice little stack. That's my point. If you think about, instead of perhaps if you were trying to improvise over a one, four, five progression, it's, it's easy and kind of lame just when you get to the five chord to just go, 
F-D-B-G, right? Instead of that, start with the A and go A-F-D-B. All right. And I it, have to stop you for the sake of all mankind. It gives us such a different feel. And for it's the so sake cool. of all mankind. <laughs> stop it before he grows. Why? Why? What's wrong? I have to stop you for the sake of all mankind. Go. Spit out some wisdom, Swami. All right, listeners, what you're hearing right now is like something that we like to do with each other and some other people like to do this. And you might hate it, and that's okay. Uh, I think some of you might love it, and that's okay too. So for those of you who hate this, we're going to talk about something real fun here in a little bit. This is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. Who else am I going to call and have this conversation with? All right. Now, when you refer Aaron, to the you, root, it's you, what do Aaron you mean O'Rourke, by root? Stephen Humphreys, maybe All Butch right. Ross. What is a root? It's not the first chord of a key. I'm talking about it's no. The root is the first. It's the lowest note of a chord. Right. We had a little jumbling of vocabulary terms. I there, see what so you're we saying. Be careful yeah. about that. Uh, we're okay. getting in pretty thick here. But I think what we've determined, which is cool, is the diminished triad in the key of C, that B diminished, functions as a G7 chord, even if nobody's playing a G note. So that it doesn't always, but it usually does. So here's the, 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 the next thing. I feel like we have... Oh my gosh. So the next thing is we we stack another note on top of that B diminished, which is that A. And it's not B D F sharp, but we never said that, did we? I'm no, we lost. B D F A. Alright, so you could call that A. We could call that a a B this is what jazz guys call it. A B minor seven flat, flat. five. That's what I said. You said B minor. Uh, diminished. No, so it's a B minor a, seven flat five. You're the one. That's the way we started the conversation, and you're the one. It is a diminished chord, though. You may be right, but I just by default chord. must not trust you. <laughs> I trust B minor that you're seven right. flat five. Okay, right. now what is that good for? All right, so if you're ready to turn the podcast off, at least listen to this next thing. When you're in the key of C, Dan, you're one, four, and five chords, or what? C is the one. F yeah. is the four. G7 is the 5. Okay. Now, there's a way of thinking where you go to the relative minor of C major. So you shift your the way you're kind of numbering the chords. So instead of thinking C major, we're going to play all the same notes. We're going to play the same chords. But now we're going to go to A minor. So if somebody says, what key are you in? We're going to say, we're in the key of A minor. So now our 1, 4, 5, we've got an A minor for the 1, a D minor for the 2, and I'm sorry, an A minor for the one, a D minor for the four, and then either an E minor or E major, which is a deviation from the scale for the five chord. That's right. Now, in jazz, there's this move, and I think that um, it's called the 2-5-1. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. And in minor keys, I think it's the most, it's one of the most beautiful things, especially if you're new to this stuff. And hammer dulcimers are really 
made for doing two five one progressions and hardly anybody does it it's one of the easiest chord progressions on this instrument easier than one four fives in some keys so what so what's the easiest key for doing this kind of stuff in on the hammer dulcimer let's stick with c works fine c okay Mm -hmm. so we're going to go to the relative key of a minor so a two five one and and minor is actually going to be a two minor seven flat five very often, not always, but very often to an altered dominant five chord in that A minor key. So some kind of weird E7 chord with some funky notes in it. And then settles back to a minor one. So you got two minor seven flat five to five altered to a one. Which very often deviates from, from the key on that one. From you add major a major seven, six yeah. to it. Major right. six to it. So you, so anyway, the point is <laughs> point is it's really awesome. The best part of that <laughs> diminished triad in the key of C is really the key of A minor. You're going to play a B minor 7 flat 5 to some kind of E major with a dominant 7 and maybe even a, a an altered 9 or an altered 5 and then you'll settle back to that A minor chord with a raised 6. Now if you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, the best thing to do, Dan, which I'm not going to do right now, but I, it would be to give somebody the tab or show them by ear or by eye how to play a simple three chord progression and hear how sexy that sounds. Mm-hmm. So you tell me, you've been doing some of these minor two five ones. Guess where it started. <laughs> I can't believe we're, I remember now. I think one of you've the things did, that been playing Nature about. Boy. Uh, no, the, 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 the former got... theme song of of World Wide no. Wrestler Ric no. Flair. You can't see what's on my screen right now. I just remember why. How That's did I go Rick down Flair, this rabbit hole? It? It's because I'm reviewing Band in a Box for a future DPN. Oh, I want the new version. It's so good. <laughs> it's so amazing. And I thought here here was my thing. I thought okay. I'm I'm a dulcimer player who hasn't used a program like this, and somebody's going to tell me you might want to try this because it's going to open up new worlds for you. Let's do something simple. So I notated in the melody line for Missouri. Oh, really? Yep. That fiddle tune written by yeah. Okay. And then you put them. No. What key did you do that in? I told it the key, and then I told it to figure out the chords. <laughs> oh, you told it to. Because there's <laughs> yeah. a button on there called Generate Chords. I yeah, it's, a, it's Chord Wizard or something like that. Yeah. And I set it free, and it put these minor seven flat right. fives in place of the five in all these places. And I thought, well, that's it's just Leading goofy. up to the five, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, and yes, exactly. It would. You're right. It would do it for two beats and then go to the dominant seven and then resolve to the one chord. Right. Wow, that was cool, Steve. And that just that just set me off on a path. And I've been trying to experiment with that in different places. Isn't that exciting? It is. I I did something similar. Uh this is funny. I think this might be where the interesting part of the podcast starts. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty arrogant of me, right? <laughs> um but I think the band in a box think band in a box that's where the fun part of the podcast just started band in a box 
Thank you, Dan Landrum. Uh, what I did is my kids last week were telling me, and this is huge for me. They said, hey, you need to learn some new stuff. You're just playing the same old stuff. <laughs> People don't want to hear that. And um, I said, well, you are right. You know, I, I was smiling. Uh, I said, you're, you're absolutely right. And I appreciate the encouragement. I do want you guys to know I have been working on new stuff. And Elijah was like, well... No, really work on new stuff. <laughs> he, was telling me, he said, you have to think about the people, the different age groups you're playing for. Little kids don't want to hear the same thing as somebody who's 18, who doesn't want to hear the same thing as somebody who's like in their 50s or 60s. And um, you got to get with the times. He was telling me like, uh, you need to learn some new music. You need to maybe, and he said, and this thing where you play by yourself all the time, that that can get kind of old. You need to be playing <laughs> with a group. Now, here's the thing. I was so happy that he was talking about my music that I tried to make it as easy as possible for him to feel totally free to just keep going. And, and his sister's chiming in and they're going at it. And I kept wanting to be defensive, but I internally I knew what they were saying was also very much true also. you know, And um, not always not always true, but here's what happens is I ended up that night when, when it got late, I was getting ready to go to bed. It was 1130 at night and I was like, I ain't going to bed. I'm going to learn something new. Better yet, I'm going to pick out a list of five things that I'm going to learn new. And I said, no, 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 no. You're going to get genres. So I wrote down, you know, blues, jazz, country, uh, you know, I made a list of genres and then I got on YouTube and I, and I got on the internet and I started looking for top, you know, top 100 instrumental hits of all time, top 50 blues tunes, top, top 50 rock guitar solos. So I built this crazy, uh, playlist of all these things. And I was like, look, if I could just learn one chord from one song, and if I could just learn a lick from another song, and if I could maybe learn an entire song on this one and and I, I did it for over three and a half hours. Wow. I, brought, I downloaded the audio from all those YouTube videos under my computer using 4K downloader. Uh, go check that software out. Thank it's you cool. for introducing me to that. It is good. Um, and then I set about learning some uh, Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, I was listening to Joe Pass. And... I was so thankful that a family member who maybe wasn't totally accurate about what I'm doing because they don't ever hardly see me perform or hear me. <laughs> uh, I just went ahead and went with the encouragement. And I got to tell you, I love Band in a Box, but what I had fun with that night was those MP3s. I put them into the transcribe software made by 7th String Software. That allowed me to change the speed or the tuning of any song. You have mad skills with that, Steve. I've seen it. It's amazing. I could take I could take Stevie Ray Vaughan and just slow him down and put it in a different key. And I would tell myself, just learn one lick. One lick, you know? And then I would just play backup to him. And then I would just solo to the same chords. And it's, I love Band in a Box. But as silly as this sounds, I hadn't really sat down and played with records in a long time, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and... That little bit that night was so valuable for me. 
And since then, I've been playing a little bit every day on the chromatic dulcimer because that's where I'm learning a lot of this stuff. Um, I'll probably move a lot of it to diatonic, but who knows? But I noticed too, you tell me what this is like for you. After you really play passionately, now I'm not just talking about doing, kicking out the work or whatever, but when you're passionately going after new stuff, and uh, you've been doing it for like five days in a row. You start to be able to do things you didn't realize you could do. You, you're starting to play in a way that exceeds your um, thoughts about what's possible for you. Like I'm hearing music come out of me and I'm like, that's the way I want to play. I don't want to be like this dude that's just driving 95% of the time, doing productivity the other 4% of the time. And then I might be able to carve out half a percent of the time <laughs> to play. All right, that's my rant. That's a good rant. I like it. Uh, another thing that I see happen is you. Uh, one of the things that I've been practicing pretty consistently for a few weeks now is minor seven arpeggios. Uh, well, let me start first. Dominant sevens around the cycle, going moving by fourths all the way around the cycle, just moving it, moving it, moving it, and trying to find different ways to play it. You know, so it starts to sound melodically cool just looking for options for improvisation and then minor sevens doing the same thing as I move around. Of course, on our instruments, yours and mine, the slow time, the time of trouble occurs when you end up in the, uh, E flat, a flat D flat. Right. Section. That's where it Which gets Which is hard. why sometimes I only practice F B flat, E flat, A flat, D flat, A sharp, D sharp, G sharp, C sharp, F sharp. I just do those weird. I just do the weird ones. Yeah, I'm gonna give you right. some homework. This is your homework. All right, you're gonna do minor seven flat fives around the cycle of fourths. You're gonna do. Listen to this. You're not gonna like this. You're gonna do. Well, let's make it easy on you. Dominant. You're gonna do dominant sevens around the cycle, which you're already doing. The flat fives I haven't started trying to do yet. You're gonna do your ma- you're gonna do your minor. You're gonna you're gonna take you're gonna do your minor treads around the cycle, and I want you to add to each one of those not a minor seven, but the major six. Yeah, so, yeah, I already do that. I do that one. So Be- you do <coughs> because it fits. A, so you would do an A C E F sharp. That's right. That one that one almost always fits. By the way. <coughs> All right. Here's your homework. Here's your homework. <coughs> You're going to start doing the two five one around the cycle. Working on it. So you, yeah, and I'll just say this for the listeners' benefit. So you're in the key of A minor. You'll do B minor seven flat five to E dominant seven back to the A minor seven, you know, raise six. And then that was for the key of A minor. Now you're going to go to D minor and do that same thing. And so you do that around the cycle. Did you mean A major seven? Because your one's a major seven. No, it's a minor. We're in the key of A minor. <coughs> oh, so you're saying key of A minor. Okay, gotcha. So you got the two minor seven flat five to the to the dominant seven in the minor key, which means altering your your key by one note. Usually in the minor key, the fifth chord is major. Not mm-hmm. always, but a lot. Uh, depending on what kind of music you're playing. That's your homework. You could do that. I know, but, I know. But listen, that, that one chord is a, is a minor triad, and you add into it a major six, which that will be outside of the key. 
Right. So in the, so A, C, E, F sharp. There's no F sharp in the key of C major. But you should read about the uh, Lydian dominant concept. Look that up online. Okay. Anyway, that's... Well, but, but less people think we're just out of our minds. Exciting. The thing that Steve said a few minutes ago, you'll find becomes true once you practice these. You have to just do the hard work of just trying to practice it and move chords. Just move it. Do the same thing in another key, not another key, another chord. And that's why the using the circle is great. You'll also find that some of the shapes that you make on a hammer dulcimer are not repeatable in some of the keys. Just because where the notes fall. I mean, they might literally be two and a half feet apart from each other. So in the process, you have to go, well, right. So I'm not going to make myself do something that no reasonable human being would do. So I'm going to find out what does work from there. And you'll find that out. That works. It, huh? That's important. That's good. Yeah. Because and, you and might you'll, be in that key someday, but you want to do what's possible. You want to do what's key. possible. That's right. So find out what the possible is. And you'll also find that possible probably is necessary for a couple of other keys as well. And then all of a sudden you get this thing under your hammers as well or under your fingers and you know how to do that. And you might also find that knowing how to do that, because parallelism in music is satisfying, where you hear a certain melodic line follow a certain form across a chord, sometimes doing that same thing as you change keys or change chords sounds good. But if you find the one that you have what to do for the exception, I don't you know might, if what you just said is true. You don't? But well, let's talk about that later. Let's say we're in the key of C and we're going ba da da bum. I don't know if that was in the key of C or not. If we go to the four chord, ba da da bum is going to sound satisfying. Oh, I got you. I got you. It was just a parallel thing. You just moved it to another chord and basically did the same intervals that you did the first time. So we're basically I'm, paying the same melodic idea twice in a row. <coughs> that's right. But on top of a different chord, places. you might have to change it because this one might be a minor chord as opposed to a major chord. Uh, My point is when you get uh, to those weird keys where the easy stuff doesn't work and you figure out the hard stuff or, or excuse me, you figure out a way to make it easy, you can sometimes take that order of notes or order of hammering left, rights or rights, lefts, whatever works out and bring that back to the super easy places. And you'll have something different there as well. So if somebody listens to our podcast, who's a very accomplished player and said person is very, very good and interesting. And this person does just hates all this stuff and they're being forced to learn a lot of this. Uh, and I and I've thought a lot about that lately. Um, the thing about music theory that's really useful, first of all, everybody who does anything generally has some kind of idea about what they're doing. You know, if you're trying to get across the stream and you tie a rope from one tree, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're cooking, whatever, you get ideas about what you're doing. And I like to say, you, might, you know, you might be using flour and you'll think to yourself, well, what does flour do to a recipe? What if I added more flour to this other thing I'm making? How will that affect it? And then you determine, ah, flour does such and such. Well, music theory, like when people say they hate music theory, I think what they're really talking about is 
is what we've talked about before, standardized music theory. That's where you take, you share a common vocabulary. It's standardized, you know. Uh, but this person I'm talking about, and you know who you are, and I know you're listening to the podcast right now. You're listening right now. Uh, you have ideas about how things work that you operate by. That what we usually call music theory is standardized music theory. So when you reference an idea, I know what you're talking about. That's, we have a shared vocabulary. I think that shared vocabulary is great, but not essential. Another thing about music theory that's really great is we look at what's going on in one place of a song, one key, one group of chords, one melody. We look at what's going on and we abstract out and we find some kind of concept that we can then reapply and make fresh in other keys with other groups of chords, you know. It allows us to figure out some truth behind music and take that truth and move it into other areas of, of our musical life. I mean, when people tell me they hate music theory, I always think, well, you just hate standardized music theory, you know. Um, I believe everybody who plays at least has some idea about what they're doing, you know, even even if it's on a very limited in a very limited way. Sure. We don't we also don't learn what doesn't occur naturally. We're more likely to learn what occurs naturally to our instruments as well. And you have an advantage. I don't, I have it a little bit, but not as much as you in that your, your piano training helped you to conceptualize some of this stuff on an instrument where it all applies. You get to, you get to these diatonic based instruments and there aren't many, I mean, forgive me, those of you who can, but in most of my classes, even in an intermediate, intermediate class. And I said, right now, play, play a major scale. People are going to start from a white mark and play a major scale. And if I say, no, play me an E-flat major scale. I mean, all the notes are there on most, on most instruments. But people aren't just, they're just not going to know how to do it because they don't know starting from this position, what's a whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. <clears throat> because they haven't gotten used to thinking about the harder keys and what the jumps are. And, I, I have a question about that. Yes. All right. So for a long time, I've heard this said, and I have a specific question. This isn't it, but, you know, people will say, well, the, you know, there are like that. You might say to me that your hammer dulcimer has all the notes. Okay. So what I want to know is, do you have all the notes inside of one octave anywhere? Yeah. Together. Well, that means they're not in some lower or higher octave. And they don't necessarily need to be together on the instrument, but they need to be in the same octave. So if you looked at those exact pitches All 12 on piano, notes. All 12 tones. Yeah. Yes. Is there... Do you have two octaves of that? Yes. Three octaves of that? No. But I could. Okay. All right. But for the most part, a lot of people out there with a modern mini-stringed hammer dulcimer... They're going to have access to to around to to at least two octaves of of the chromatic notes. If they have a fifteen sixteen that doesn't have any chromatics on it, they're not going to have the E flat up at the top. But like da 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 da, you could play two octaves 
going from low to high. Yes, but I, in order to reach my, my E flat, I have an instrument that's larger than a 1516, and okay. it has some added notes on it. In order so to we, reach we the, can say almost two octaves. Yeah. You, well, but, I mean, there's some big instruments out there with lots of notes. Russell Cook is, has an amazing one, which can have them all. But we're not talking about piano dulcimer or linear chromatic. Nope. We're just talking about... So, uh, I hate to ask this again, but I've, I've wondered for so long. On the instrument you're playing right now, you this, do have a full one-octave chromatic scale that you can use. I have two. About two you, and a half, actually. You have two and a half. That's great. Now, what you don't get out of that, you don't get this pretty shape that you just play in different places. That's Sometimes right. you have to grab this wild hair note out in left field. Steve, I'm feeling this strong desire to hug you right now because i feel like you understand me for the first time in our in our we've known each other yeah well hold back <laughs> i'm glad we do this i'm glad we do this from a distance um no i don't mind a hug so that's good to know well mountain dulcimer players um your equivalent of that and I, I don't have it all charted out in my head right now, but the closest you get to that is probably tuning to one of these triad tunings, like 135 or 5135 or 513 or something like that. And I won't go down that road too much, but in that situation, you may have access to the notes, but you will have to go to strange places sometimes to get them. The beautiful thing about my chromatic dulcimer when I'm learning music theory, I've got all the notes. And it's just, it's a linear left to right. So if I play a minor 7 flat 5 here, I can slide that to the right, right by half steps till I've played all 12 with that same shape. Same thing on a piano dulcimer, same thing on a linear chromatic hammer dulcimer, both of those. And you know, Dan, you, I could see a person, like, so for me, I usually use chromatic to learn and diatonic to perform. If I'm in Nashville, though, or if I'm around non-dulcimer players, I use the chromatic to perform a lot. But um, there's more than just one reason for that. But anyway, for hammer dulcimer, I could see you learning, like taking the um, piano dulcimer and only using that in your personal studies of music theory and getting your idea wrapped around these concepts because of the way you can comprehensively move things around, but then actually working out your performance stuff on the diatonic. Yeah. If it if it wasn't for the tuning of the thing, of, of oh, so it, you're not likely to go through the trouble of tuning it. One of the reasons I'm able to practice every morning is I can get up and play. I can just get up and sit down and play. I might have to tweak something, but this instrument, I'm, people are tired of hearing me brag about it. But it's just it's changed my life. I play now more than I ever have because I can walk in any time and play. Yeah, and there's only one of them on Earth. That's great. Dan. And there's only one in this room, and so I have one room in this room. One one yeah, dulcimer. But, but if I go. wanted to buy one right now, I can't. No. Well, that's no fun. I think one thing you could do before you die is find some way to make those available to those who want them. And I'm going to recommend a price of uh, fifty nine ninety five. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean. Sam Rosetta is a good builder and he has a lot going on and he's working on some new models that might be as stable as this that will be production. I mean, there's reasons to stick with our diatonic instruments. It's not just because they're easy because 
they're very often harder in some ways, but to have a chromatic instrument where you don't have to, you don't have these wild hair notes to actually have a chromatic instrument where you can move an idea up and down through the chromatic scale and, and be using the same shapes that's very very valuable to get to get that idea abstracted out then you go back to your diatonic and you're thinking all right how can i do that that five that dominant five altered chord okay well, i can't do this but i can do this and but you've got some reference can, it's so crazy trying to learn chromatic music on a non-chromatic instrument. It is. But if I can step into just pure speculation for just a moment, you know, knowing where we've talked about monochords and where instruments came from and how the diatonic instruments and all that, and from harps and blah, blah, blah. As they, as these instruments that you strike began to be developed with more complexity, it, I'd be shocked if at some point somebody didn't go, hey, we know more about, you know, look at all this stuff we're understanding in music theory. Let's put all the strings on there. And then somewhat, then in that process, they went, wow, that makes this thing huge and too hard to build. It was working fine just like it was. Why don't we just let that be the thing? Because they weren't playing minor seven flat fives, probably. Probably not much, even though they did have some, even with the diatonic set up. Because I don't have to use any weird notes to do the minor seven flat five in the key of C or G or D on this instrument. It's an easy, that's what I was saying. I'm excited about Well, They might've, they might've been playing welcome back Kata back in the, uh, the pyramid. <laughs> I don't know. They might've been, but also for, so let's say then this person said, well, I've conquered the complexity of it. I can build it. It doesn't, it's just, it's lighter and everything else. It's got all those strings on it. You can do all this stuff in any key. It's, but I just keep hitting wrong notes just because the way you work this instrument is so physical and it makes you have to reach farther. And if you're moving very fast and you reach farther and you hit a wrong note and it's a linearly linear instrument, you're off in another key and it sounds really bad. They're fine just like they are, I think. Yeah, but we're talking, well, that's a different topic. Kind we're of. About I'm saying learning. I own, I mean, I own and use linear and piano dulcimer but just like what you said when i go out to perform i'm really comfortable in these diatonic instruments it makes yeah, but for you're not using the you're not using the the linear chromatic or piano dulcimer much at all well the concert that uh steven aaron it takes so much to tune the the, con- the concert that steven and aaron steven humphreys and aaron and i did a couple of months back well yeah but i'm talking band in the box i'm talking about wood shedding with a chromatic instrument if it was solid and in tune all the time, it probably would be. You're right. All right. So the thing that's frustrating is somebody hears me say it's good to, it's good to woodshed on a chromatic instrument at the house, so you get your ideas around the concept. Then they get online, and they type in chromatic hammer dulcimer, and they're not going to get what I'm talking about for the most part, because in your world, chromatic means these notes are on here, but it's not in some kind of yes. If I was trying to tell, in, yeah. yeah, if we were talking about linearly chromatic. I would say linear, 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 like all the notes occur, like millennial, (laughs) all the notes occur in a line of some sorts, either James Jones's instrument, which is fantastic, which I, that's the one I used just recently or linearly. It's linear. It's a linear, linear chromatic is what it's called. Linear, 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 (laughs) linear, skinnier, linearly, linearly. Well, no, linear, linearly or linear, not linearly. Linear, linearly. No, that's just L I N E A R L Y. Okay. 
Anyway. You're always interested in truth. I just thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> I want to believe as many. We don't want you telling things. people to get a lineal dulcimer. That sounds like something for uh, a millen- 16 year old. Get a millennial dulcimer. <laughs> it tells you you're doing great. <laughs> you don't actually have to learn it. <laughs> Come on. That was a, that was a millennial joke. That was okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I just took a drink. That's all right. So James Jones's linear chromatic right. is, has the basic, fifth interval tuning of a diatonic hammer dulcimer in that the, the note immediately to the left is a fifth, but instead of going C, D, E, F, it goes C, C sharp, D, E flat. Yeah. That's, it's a whole tone scale on the right and the alter. And no, 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 no. You're talking about What's the, that? that's the piano dulcimer. Well, no, I thought the piano dulcimer may look like a piano. No piano dulcimer. Yeah. Really? Piano dulcimer is a whole tone scale on each side of the, on each, no, each side of the No, piano dulcimer range. is supposed to, to <laughs> echo the piano layout of a piano. Only because it what? can have white and black pieces of Delrin on there. So that, so that the notes that would normally be white are white and the notes that are normally oh, black Oh no, are black. so it's two pianos. <laughs> it's not either. It's just a bridge that has... Oh, you're going to love this. Yeah. The linear chromatic, to me, reminds me of a piano. And the piano dulcimer does not remind me of a piano. I know, I know. And the linear chromatic doesn't remind me of a piano either. That's why I took the Gosh. what what James was doing the his marking scheme on the linear. I like chromatic, chromatic J- James. I oh, like I like them both you. too. But I changed his marking scheme for me so that I kept the white, black, black, white. So when you look at the surface of the diatonic area, you see what you're used to. And then for all the notes that are added in between, I made those gold. So it goes white, gold, black, gold, black, white. Now we should talk about this on a piano. I know I, you can take a chord shape and move it up or down chromatically, but because of the white and black keys, it doesn't actually look exactly like the right, the same shape. And it doesn't feel like the same shape. That's right. Now, if you're on a guitar, you get a chord, you move it up or down through the chromatic scale. It does feel and look like the same shape. It might be a little scrunched together. It gets a little tight as you move up the neck. So even on the piano, there's a little bit of a compromise there on the on the way the shapes look and stuff. But why are we wanting to do this? Why is this an issue? I'll tell you why. Because I want to play cool stuff. And I got to learn cool stuff from people often who aren't playing a dulcimer. For your kids. Yeah, so they'll think that I'm cool. Ellen said, um, I want you to sit down and I want you to impress me. Oh, my uh, goodness. And I, and she didn't, she wasn't smiling. She was like, do something really cool now. That's funny. And I thought to myself, dance, monkey to be dance. Like, I'm not. Yeah, I was thinking I'm not going to do that. But I was like, no, you need to do this. And so I sat down and I was like, do something cool. I tried to do something that was blues-based with a backbeat, high tempo, lots of cool licks thrown in. I was pushing the limit. You know, I'm not on webcam. I'm not on stage. I can afford to be a little more risky. I started singing. I did key changes. I did everything I could to get that, you know, I wanted to. Anyway, when I was done, my son was like, that just sounds like all the same stuff you usually play. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Steve. You have no, teenagers. No, it was good. You have teenagers. Hi, oh, Jen Allen. If you're listening to this, I want you to know this for all of history. 
that was a really encouraging day for me because number one, you were interested in what I'm doing musically. You were giving me real feedback from real listeners, right? Um, and it was just a, I'm thankful for that. And I'm a better player because of that day. But I will have to say any musician who's been doing this as much as I have, as long as I have, will appreciate this little thing that happened with my so, kids. So, Elijah and Ellen, I'd like to speak directly to you now. Okay, I, I'm yeah. assuming that we're probably about 50 years into the future, and you're sitting in a counselor's office, and you guys are trying to trying to understand understand your dad better, and you're listening <laughs> to these podcasts. And, and Which that, any children of any musician are going to struggle with that. Yeah, you know? and I'm sure you were able to find this recording because you did a search on the Google Googleplex and everything that's ever been spoken has also been transcribed now. And so you're able to find where he mentioned it. I just want you to know, as we end this podcast, here back in 2017, May, that's when we used to go by the Gregorian calendar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your daddy loves you. The, oh, I do. Yeah. That's it. I mean, we can't. No, wait a minute. What is that, an alarm? It sounded like one, didn't it? I think that might have been your, I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think my something. Wow. Hey. So what I want to encourage you to do, you may think the podcast over, but I'm here to tell you it isn't. Listen, I want you, I'm going to do my review. I've got everything out to do my review this morning. I got my Good OmniFocus deal. out. It's unusually healthy with a full inbox, but everything else is pretty darn healthy. I'm going to figure out what to do and then what at what time and how much to do it. And I'm also going to play my butt off. Um, I've been enjoying playing. And uh, I've been working with these McCafferty dulcimers lately. And, and that's I've got some increased tone in some places. I'm not used to having tone. It's really nice. So I wish the same thing for you. I hope you get your stuff done. And I want you to have a good time with your family. And keep that music going. Yeah. Don't listen. Yes. We are young. Heartache to heartache we stand. No promises, no demands. Love is a battlefield.